so glad you could join us for mornings at YCBC today. We want to thank you for being a part of our online family and we hope that this message encourages you, blesses you and helps you grow in your walk with Him. So let's get into the Word. Good morning and welcome. Uh, no, you've already welcomed me. Um, I don't need to welcome you. You're, this is your church, but I feel welcome anyway. Um, thank you for uh, having me back. Um, it's, uh, it's a great pleasure to come back. Um, I, uh, I really enjoyed the church when I was here last time, and I think I'm going to enjoy it again today. And because I'm here as a guest preacher, guest preachers get to do what they want to do, and guest preachers get to show the pictures of their baby, of their new grandchildren. So I'm hoping that it's going to show up there, but it didn't. Okay. Did it? Oh, there you go. Hey. Okay, so three weeks ago, uh, Tracy and I became grandparents for the first time to uh, Luca Emmanuel. Luca means bringer of light. And Emmanuel means, there you go, God with us. Um, so he's a delightful little boy. And um, if you want to see some more pictures after church, and I assume you all do. I mean, you'll probably just rush me, won't you? And want to see you, more pictures of uh, our baby grandson. So yeah, he's a great little guy. He, he faces some challenges, as I was saying before the service. So um, please uh, pray for Sheridan and James and particularly for Luca. He uh, has some challenges ahead with some uh, heart murmur and some developmental things that are happening sort of chromosomally and genetically, which I don't understand the first thing about. But um, yeah, he's going to have some challenges. But uh, I also said before the service that the, the one thing this little guy is not going to lack, he's not going to lack any love, that's for sure. Um, I do want to talk to you about this, 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 thing, this thought that Pete was talking about, about our, our salvation glasses, as it were, uh, how you actually see salvation. Um, has anybody done one of those sort of 3D movies? Anybody been to one? Yeah? Uh, Nick, I mean, uh, did it really sort of give it any punch or, you know, or, or was it kind of just some, some sort of marketing ploy? What do you think? Oh, there you go. Okay. Well, that's probably not a bad description of how salvation actually ought to function for us. It ought to be a, it ought to be a thing that kind of gets us and overtakes us and overwhelms us. And I guess the sense that I'm trying to capture this morning is that maybe we've seen salvation in a fairly one-dimensional sort of way, a fairly ordinary way, if I can put it that way. I want us, in a sense, to put our 3D glasses on if we can this morning, not physically, but maybe mentally and spiritually, to put our 3D glasses on so that we might see more elements of salvation that impact upon us day to day. Because it's my sense that the way that we've seen salvation over time has been in a very one-dimensional, yes, you're saved, that's great, hallelujah, we're on our way to heaven, all of that sort of stuff, which is, which is certainly a way to see salvation. But I would contend that it's a very limiting way to see salvation. Salvation is a, a much deeper, richer experience of that. Not only is it a much deeper, greater, richer experience in the, in the first dimension, but it's a much greater, richer, deeper experience in the second and third dimension in ways in which can impact us for here, now and for eternity. And as we're impacted for eternity, then we have an impact upon eternity. So there's a, there's a richer dimension to what we're going to talk about this morning. I suppose many years ago, um, if you're as old as I am, if somebody asked you the question, are you saved? You, you would have understood what that meant, 
Um, these days, the, the, the literacy in that religious space, in that Christian space, in that, in that Bible space, if you will, there's much less literacy in that. And somebody might be likely to, to ask, if we ask that question, say, are you saved? They say, saved from what? Um, so, and, and that's a pretty good question, really, when it's all said and done. Uh, and maybe another time I'll, I'll come back and talk about what I think you're saved from. Um, there's, there's a whole different sort of way of seeing things. But I, I guess people would have asked that question and, and there would have been a general understanding about the idea of salvation and being saved. I'm not so sure that that question's all that effective these days in terms of that kind of literacy. I think we've probably got to be a little bit more relational in, in the way in which we connect with people. It's not like you just sort of you know, come up to somebody and tap them in the chest and say, are you saved? There's a, there's a sort of a relational element. There's a sense in which we need to build some credibility with people and talk with people about where they're at before we sort of get into that space. But that was a question which would have been asked years ago. The language is a little bit clunky these days, I would suggest. But years ago, we may well have asked a question like that. Now, for many people, that, that question sort of implies a, a sort of a past tense one-off experience. Are you saved? Yes, I'm saved. Yes, I'm, I'm going to heaven. But what's the sense in which... The salvation experience needs to impact us for here and now. And that's what I want to talk about uh, today because that old language of, of, of one-dimensional salvation, being saved, I think lacks a lot of the punch and that's maybe why we, we don't have the effect that we need to have in our, in our walk with Jesus. When we see salvation as a one-dimensional experience, then it's hardly any wonder that the people who are around us say, well... What's the impact upon it on, uh, of salvation on your life? How can you expect anybody to embrace the salvation that you've embraced if they don't really see it having any impact upon how you live and how you deal with pressure and issues and all that sort of stuff now? It's hardly any wonder that we don't uh, really experience this abundant life that Jesus talked about. And that's what we want to know. We want to know what an abundant life is like. Uh, but when we see salvation as a once-off, this is it, uh, you know, that, that, that's the end of it all, then I think we lack a lot in terms of where we go. You see, the truth is that you are saved, uh, you, yes, uh, but you're also being saved and you will be saved. And that's where I want to talk, what I want to talk about this morning and I'm hoping that I can control these slides. I'm not very, very good in this space. In this space. So to begin with, we're going to jump around the New, the, the New Testament a little bit. We're going to talk about salvation in 3D. Uh, I hope you've got your Bible running shoes on. The slides will come up and we'll look at the scriptures. If you want to have a look at them in your own, on your phone or, or whatever, then, that, then that's fine too. But let's have a look at this scripture to begin with. Acts chapter 4 verses uh, 1 to 12. A little bit of background to the passage. Uh, you know the passage in, in Acts 4. Um, you know, there was somebody that was there and they were begging and... Let's get, I was going to sing the song, you know, walking and leaping and praising God, but I'm not sure you really want that. But that, that's the background to the passage. Uh, here is this person who has been healed uh, by, the, uh, by the apostles. The power of Jesus' name ha has done this wonderful work in this man's life. And uh, there's a controversy which has erupted. And this is what the, the scriptures say, and I'll, I'll read it off the screen with you guys. So the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. 
They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed. So the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. The next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. And as the high priest was there, and so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. So we're talking about past tense salvation in, 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 this, mess, in this part. And then in Titus chapter 2, um, verses 11 to 14, it says this, For the grace of God has appeared that offers to salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good." And again, in 2 Timothy 1, verses 9 to 10, he has saved us, saved us. That's, this is the first dimension of salvation. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything that we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. But it has now been revealed through the appearing of, the, of our Saviour, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to life through the gospel. So I want to talk to you about this idea uh, of, of how you've been saved. We've been saved, rather. Um, so life, immortality... Life and immortality, that, they are the gifts of God that we get through salvation in this first stage or this first phase of salvation. We have received that when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour. But not just immortality and life, but the promise of a more meaningful, abundant life. That's what Jesus promised for us. That's the offer of salvation. And friends, it's offered this morning. Now, I'm not ignorant that there could be people who are in church this morning who you know, come along to church and kind of like coming to church. They like the, the community here at YCBC uh, and, and they're connected in and, and, and all of that. But, but maybe this offer of salvation or this idea of being saved, it's, it's never really dawned on you before. And you've, you, you've, you've, heard, it, you've heard people talk about it and you've, and you've thought, well, what does that, what does that really mean? And, and, and is that something for me? Well, the good news is, yes, it's something for you this morning. If you've never put your trust in Jesus and never, uh, and never accepted his offer of salvation and this abundant life, that's, 
That opportunity is open to you this morning. It's not very complicated. It's simply a matter of saying yes to Jesus. Yes, I I, I receive your offer of salvation. I accept everything that you've done. And I accept that I'm a sinner and that that I've messed things up and that I've made mistakes and I've been selfish and I've been a twit. And, you know, I've hurt people and and I've sinned and, and, and done all that stuff. And it just just seems like that penny is dropping now. Well, if that's you, you just need to say yes to Jesus. And I'm sure that there are people who would love to help you and pray with you and sort of help you along the way. That's the first step of salvation. That's the first element of salvation. It's the first dimension of salvation, as it were. And that can be yours today. And if you've already trusted in Jesus, that's a great start. Uh, that's, in fact, all you need to do. But there are, there are these elements of salvation that we need to understand a little bit more. These dimensions of salvation that we need to understand a little bit more. That's the offer of salvation, the first dimension of salvation. Uh, and when you accept that sacrifice that Jesus has made for you, then you are saved. No doubt about it. Nothing can take you from his hand. Jesus promised that for us. We are absolutely saved. S-A-V-E-D. Saved. Past tense. There's nothing, you know, that, that, it's emphatic and determinative. Nothing can take that away. But there are the, there's this element, this dimension that we need to understand a little bit more. And that's the second element I want to talk about this morning. That's the idea um, that, we, uh, that we are being saved, the power of salvation. And um, let me go back a slide here. You're being saved, the power of salvation. Because as good as it, as, good as it is, to know that we are saved, um, there, there, there's, there's, I guess, I don't want to say there's more to salvation. I just want to say that there's, there's, there's different elements of it. There's these different dimensions. And this is the fun part. Um, I say fun in inverted commas because quite often it's not a whole lot of fun, this part of, the, of salvation. Because when you put your trust in Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes to indwell you. And you just can't do the stuff that you did before. Not, not that you can't and not that you don't, you know. Laurie and I were talking about it before church. You know, we, we tend to do the stuff that we did before. But there's a sense in which we, we, we have this kind of discomfort about it. And there's this sort of nagging, aching feeling that we're, that we're just not doing things. That's the Holy Spirit. And, he, and he, is, he is at work in us in this second dimension of salvation to usher us into a more complete and, and more fulfilling element of salvation. And that's what we want to talk about in this second element, this second dimension. As we embark upon the journey of following Jesus, we become aware of these things, more aware. And the Holy Spirit kind of zeroes on in some things and says, you know what, Dave, um, that thing that you said was a, you know, it was a bit stupid and, and a bit selfish and, and, and I'm prone to argue with the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you're... Um, I'm, am I the only one? Or, or are there other people? I, I'm prone to... Argue. No, that wasn't so bad. You know? and, and he says, mm, okay, let's see how that works out for you. And frequently, well, in fact, all the time he wins. And, 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 and I'm convicted about something and I need to change my behaviour. And I need to change my approach and the way that I'm seeing things. And that's how God is working in my life and I would say in yours. So we experience this level of discomfort where the Holy Spirit is working in this dimension of salvation. Um, and uh, and it ha- I think it happens our whole life through. There I was talking with Laurie before the service and he was saying, I think you're 93, 92, Laurie, aren't you? 92. 92. Don't, don't want to age you. Don't want to don't, don't put you up. But, you know... At, at, at 92, Laurie's still working through these things. We're all still working through these things. 
When Tracy and I were, were first married, we, went to the, uh, we were going uh, to a church and we went along to the, the Young People's Bible Study, which was on a Wednesday night. The Young People's Bible Study was led by Mr. Davis, who was about 88 years of age. So I, I could never kind of work out why it was that the Young People's Bible Study was led by an 88-year-old. But as you entered into it, you understood why. Because there was wisdom and there was experience that we needed to hear as young people and as a young married couple. And uh, Mr. Davis, or Mr. D as he was called, uh, that, he did a wonderful job. And I can remember him telling me something about uh, the, the, the ageing process. And maybe you, you'll agree with this, Laurie, but the older he was getting, the more aware he was of God's presence in his life and the need to, to really work out his salvation with fear and trembling. That sense that... You know, I, I don't have as many years left here. And uh, I think last time I was here, we were talking about finishing well, wasn't I? Well, you know, we want to finish well. We, you know, we, we don't want to continue with the same stupid stuff that we've been doing when we were young. We don't want to be selfish and lustful and, you know, careless with our, with our language, all that sort of stuff. We, we want to be, you know, better representatives of Jesus Christ. And that was the thing that I was, I was struck by as I talked to Mr. Davis. Uh, that, that we want to grow in our salvation. And that's the sense that we're talking about when we're in this element of uh, salvation. So let's have a look at um, this scripture together. 1 Corinthians, go back one. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 to 24. Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, said that the message of, cro of, of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved... So that's this sense that, you know, not, we're not just saved, but we're still in the process of this sanctification of all of the, the, the barnacles getting scraped off and, you know, we're living a more holy, more fruitful life for God. We're being saved. It's the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. The intelligence of the intelligence of intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of the world, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. That's the offer of salvation. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of salvation. And in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 7, as for you, you were dead. So this is the past tense. The, this is what, what, was, what had happened. You were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us have lived, past tense, have lived among them at one time, gratifying the, the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. So this is the past tense again. And God had ra has raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. This is where we are now. God has put us in that place. He's put us in the, this position with Christ Jesus. 
in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are, present tense, we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. You're being saved. You're in the process of changing. You're, like, you're not the same person that you were. When you accept that gift of salvation from Jesus Christ, things change. They, they, they just have to change. They, they, you know, it, it might take a while, but they've got to change. You're not, you're not compelled to. It's not like God's whacking you over the head. But as we reflect upon these things and on these truths and we kind of think it through a little bit, then yeah, our behaviours have to change. It, it's, it's just going to happen. Not, not, not because we're, got, you know, God's beating us over our head and saying, you, you know, you, you've been a bad boy, you've been a bad girl, you need to do that. It's just that the Holy Spirit is indwelling us and, and we're left in a position where we, we, we just, we think, oh man, you know, I really blew it. You know, I stuffed up here and I, I said this thing and I shouldn't have said this thing or I'm thinking this way and I really shouldn't be like that. God, I'm, I'm, I'm never going to get this thing squared away unless you help me. So we're forced into a position in the nicest possible way where God is zeroing in on some things in our lives that need to change. So I wonder this morning, probably even as I'm talking, your mind's been going and you're thinking, oh yeah, you know what, There's, I think what he's saying is right. There are some things that you know, I need to take on board here and there's some ways in which I need to approach things a bit differently. Maybe it's something that got said last week or... A relationship that's sort of broken down. Yeah, we all understand that there are things that need to change in our lives. You're getting the point? Do you, do you see what I'm saying? That the, the salvation experience has happened for us, but that's not enough. As we enter into this salvation with God, then God starts to do some work on us, and things have just got to change. Something happened that has a tangible, that has had a tangible impact upon you and me when we accept Jesus Christ as our Saviour. But for it to have the impact that God really wants to have upon us, then we need to think that through. We need to think that through and reckon with the implications that are at work in our lives. In fact, in Romans 6, the Apostle Paul put it this way. Uh, he said, he said, for if, you have been, if we have been united with him in, in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like, him, like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. The point that Paul's making here is like that old self, all that you know, all of that, those stupid, thoughtless, selfish, lustful, idiotic, you know, that that stuff died. It, it, it the, the in in God's sight, it's dead. Now, it it does take it does take some killing. Can I hear an amen? <laughs> you, you, it does, you know, it, it it flares up and it seems to resurrect itself, and and we need to put it to death, time and time again. It would seem to me, but in reality, God's reality which is a supra-reality and a greater reality, we are dead to sin. 
And that's the point that, the, that, that Paul's making here. And he goes on to say that if we, di- if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. And this is the new life. This is the sanctified life. This is the second element of salvation, the, the second dimension of salvation. We will live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, and this is the key thing here, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. And one of the other, I think one of the other versions puts it this way, it talks about reckoning yourself dead to sin. You know what happens when you reckon something? You think it through. You think through what the implications are. What are the implications of me having accepted Christ as my saviour and being a follower of him and, and, and understanding that I am now dead to sin? Oh, I'm not looking that dead in this part of my life. I'm, I'm, I'm still selfish and I'm, I'm still saying thoughtless things and my, my thought life is going crazy and I'm sitting at the computer and I, I can't go to that but I do go to that site. You know, that's the kind of language that Paul is talking about here. He's saying that there's a, I don't know, there's an impact upon our lives that we have to reckon with. We have to think that through. And when we do that, it's not a condemnatory kind of thing. It's it's like God's cheering us on. He's wanting us to do that because when we do that, we're embracing this, this dimension of salvation. We can't avoid doing that. That's the ongoing power of salvation. So we have been saved, we're being saved, and we will be saved. Let's have a look at the the next one. You will be saved. The power, the hope of salvation. Romans chapter 5 verses 9 to 10. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved? How much more shall we be saved from God's wrath? I, I wouldn't mind coming back and talking about God's wrath. Um, I'm understanding that a little bit differently these days. Uh, We have been saved from God's wrath through him. For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, how much more having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? If this is what has happened for us before, then how much more will we be saved? And, And how much more have we got to look forward to what we'll experience and rejoice in, in a time to come. And what I want to suggest to you today is that as we look forward to the hope of our salvation, there's a sense in this here and now where we somehow or other need to do this reckoning, this thinking through thing, and grab a hold of the hope of all of that and put that to work in our lives now. Because when we do, that revolutionises how we live life. Because we don't need to worry. We were talking about worries and anxieties and stresses and all those things. And we've all got them. But when we understand what it is that we have off in the future and even what we have now, we can grab a hold of that and put that to work with how we're living now. And it makes a positive, a a, a radical difference in how we live our lives. In Ephesians chapter 1, going back into Ephesians, Paul wrote this, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. That's our present tense. That's our present experience. That's where we're seated. 
For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless here and now, effective for him in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. And I I, want to say he continues to lavish on us. That's That's the great thing. He continues by saying, with all wisdom and understanding, he has made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure. Uh, I, I want to say to Paul, I don't still fully understand the mystery of his goodwill. Or maybe Paul got it, but I don't get it completely. Um, uh, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him, we were also chosen, having been predestined, let's not go there, according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, we, YCBC, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Amen. That's ours. That's us. And that's something that it's something that's out there. It's something that's here, something that's here and now. It's something that we can grab a hold of and make to work in us here and now. That's a a, a joyful thing. You know, when you understand what it is that we have to look forward to, that's got to transform how we do life now. And this is a a poor analogy, but years ago, I, I bought my first new motorcycle. I remember being so excited. I paid a deposit for it, and I remember being so excited about this new motorcycle. I've had several cents, so I don't get quite as excited as I used to, but I, rem- I, I still can remember the feeling of buying my first new motorbike. And when I, when I, I was so excited, I put down my deposit, I couldn't wait till the day came that I could go to the dealer and pick it up and ride it home. And, and, and you know, I was walking around just buzzing and excited about this thing. You know, if that's what it's like about a s- stupid motorcycle, what should it be about the, the, the deposit that's been put within us and what we have to look forward to? It's a transformative thing. It's got to change the way that we do things. It's got to change the way that we do our lives. When you know what's coming, when you know that there's no risk of judgment or condemnation, that you can afford to take risks, as it were, then it's got to transform the way that you do life. It's got to make a difference. This is what we have to look forward to. If you knew that you had nothing to lose... That God is going to, he can't love you anymore and he can't love you any less. Wouldn't it transform the way that you do life? I think it's bound to transform us. Not only that, but we have the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit to challenge us and counsel us and come alongside us and say, dude, left, come on, we can do this thing. I, I, I know you slipped up again. I know, you know, I know that, I know that thing's happening. That's okay. Come on. Dust yourself off. Don't be, don't be so hard on yourself. That's the, that's the salvation dimension now. And when we understand what it is we have to come, wow, that's extraordinary. That's exciting. That's the deposit of the Holy Spirit at work in us. And we can make a difference in this world when we grasp those truths. We are saved. 
We have been saved and we will be saved. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back and just play for a, a, a moment because I want us to sort of take a sort of just this moment to think through what the implications of that are. So often I was talking with someone just the other day and, you know, we'll hear this stuff and, you know, preachers and pastors will come along and talk about this stuff and that's fine and that's great and it's edifying and it builds us up. But there's got to be a, a sense in which we say, okay, so what? What's it, what does it mean for me? What does it mean for me today? Dave's up the front getting all passionate and excited about it. And, um, you know, I, I'm not sure I really see it the same way. Um, that's okay. But why don't you just take a moment now, just in the quietness of this moment, just to bow your head. And I'm not going to talk anymore because I'm done. But let's just take this moment to say, God, what does all this mean for me? What does it mean in my relationships? What does it mean in my behavior? What does it mean in the way I think? What does it mean in the way I talk? What does it mean in the way I treat people? What does it mean in the way I see things? Holy Spirit, we just invite your presence just to speak to us now. Lord, I thank you that when you speak, you speak in such gentle tones. And you just come alongside us and embrace us and wrap us up in your love and encourage us and lift us. You don't shame us or condemn us in any way or other. But you are desiring change in us. And Lord, if we're just truthful and honest with you, we confess that we need to change. There are ways in which we see things and ways in which we talk and ways in which we've treated one another that just aren't right. And Lord, we just want to say sorry and we want to ask for your help to do better. Lord, when we understand that we are saved and that we're being saved and we will be saved, Lord, that has to make a profound impact upon our lives. We thank you for our salvation. We thank you for all that it means here, now and off into the future. Thank you for this opportunity just to come quietly before you and just acknowledge that you are at work in our lives. We thank you, we praise you, and we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. As you head back into your week, we want to encourage you to stay in his word, stay in his love, and stay strong in your faith. Don't forget to keep up to date with what's happening via Facebook, Instagram, or via our website at ycbc.church. See you soon.